Hello, and welcome to the Webtoon Room. I'm Will. And I'm Crudy. And we love talking about Webtoons. Today, we'll be talking about I'm the Grim Reaper. We're covering the Webtoon from Season 1. We are current, so we have read into Season 2, so we know what's happening and what's going on. But we are just covering Season 1, so keep that in mind. There will be spoilers as well, so if you have not read it, either go ahead and read it, or if you don't mind being spoiled, go ahead and listen. Enjoy the episode. I love this webtoon. How about you, Curdy? <laughs> it's a good one. I really liked it. Um, it's a really digestible read. Really easy to read. Even when I was rereading chapters for this uh, podcast episode, it was really easy to go back on season one and, you know, just read everything that happened. Even though, which I will say is a really cool thing because the webtoon is so dark, it has almost it is very little color bright colors it is is such a dark webtoon in appearance um that it's a little surprising that it is so digestible to read but it really is yeah yeah we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves let let's go back a little bit and start <laughs> with our main character our home yes. girl the best yeah. girl of this of this webtoon scarlet scarlet she does not have a last name this scarlet is a name she gave herself actually yeah, she doesn't know her own name, actually. She doesn't have any memories of her previous life, and that's what drives the webtoon forward. Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about how she becomes a Grim Reaper? Sure. Somehow, we don't know how, Scarlet dies and gets sent to hell and is sentenced to go to the ninth circle of hell, the lowest level of hell, the worst place to be, and she faces an eternity of loneliness. No other people, nothing. And she gets the offer from Satan to become a Grim Reaper or face your punishment. And like most people, she picks the uh, less bad option of the two and chooses to become a Grim Reaper. Mm -hmm. And the rules of being a Grim Reaper on Earth means that she has to kill one sinner a day. Um, and if she misses her quota, then she gets sent back to hell to languish in the ninth circle and the way that she can tell that uh, the person is a sinner is that they have a red x across their chest so every sinner on earth is marked with a red x she herself also has a red x when she's given a body um, to carry out her grim reaper duties she is marked with a red x as well and no one else can see it but her and you know the other reapers which we'll get to yeah so she comes back to Earth, somewhere, some city that's kind of unnamed. It's kind of an urban hellscape almost. Everything's really gray. Everything's kind of dark. A lot of things are run down. It's not clear where exactly what city we're in, but the point is that it's like an urban landscape that's gray, that's dreary, and that's a bit bleak. Totally. It gives me New York vibes sometimes. I think you also mentioned Tokyo... San Francisco, possibly. So, yeah, just a very urban, kind of dark landscape. Yes. So she gets sent back to Earth and immediately encounters Jordan, who has a red X. She, he's a sinner. 
and she doesn't know why. She doesn't know what kind of sin it is, but she does look at him. He looks very innocent. He's a very, he's what I would call just a very pretty boy. And she thinks to herself that he does not look like a sinner to her. Like he doesn't look like stereotypical evil. They end up hanging out all day. They like get ramen together. They hang out and they're about to head out and and part ways. Yeah. And then Scarlett mentions that she doesn't have a place to go. So I think Jordan offers her his couch or something like that. He says his couch is available. Either way, he's kind of trying to lure her back to his place. Um, And she has that sinner's quota. Um, Remember to kill a sinner by midnight each day. Sinner per day. So... He mentions that it's almost midnight and she starts panicking. So she kind of lures him into an alley at that point. And she still doesn't know what his sin is or what he's done. But she knows she has to kill someone to fulfill her quota because she does not want to go back to hell. So she ends up killing him and she's immediately transported back to hell where Satan states he has a full monologue actually, which is kind of Satan's a little bit. He's got a flair for drama which is kind of hilarious. He's a very interesting character. But he delivers Jordan's um, sentence, and he also explains Jordan's sin to, to a very incredulous Scarlet, because Jordan has had was, in fact, a serial killer. He's killed 10 women, and Scarlet would have been the 11th. Yeah, this leaves Scarlet a little bit shaken, because she's a little bit disturbed that this person who seemed very nice on the surface could be a serial killer but it also helps her kind of parse the weird mix of emotion she has about uh about reaping about uh reaping sinners right and it helps offer some perspective i actually i should say it starts to give her perspective on sin and the nuance of it because and that's i think just going to be an enduring theme of this webtoon on um sin and what constitutes evil what makes a person virtuous what makes a person a sinner totally and this leads into another sinner that she ends up meeting pretty shortly after cutting him down uh she meets our other main character chase chase our boy chase yes chase is also kind of a pretty boy that's not related to the story i just wanted to make that comment (laughs) Will is giving me a look right now. <laughs> you're going to listen to this and you're going to laugh again at yourself laughing. Oh, my God. I know stop. you. Stop. Oh, my God. Anyway. He is a anyway. pretty boy. I, I was just holding out for drama. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so shady. But anyway, <laughs> we have an actual point in bringing up Chase. He's, he's a, he is pretty important to the story. Chase also has an ex like Jordan does. So he's also a sinner. Scarlet recognizes this right away. She does not know what his sin is either, but Chase pulls out a gun on her. And that kind of begins Chase and Scarlet's relationship. And it's one of the most interesting relationships in this webtoon. It is the primary relationship, I think. Um, And the bond that they forge is gonna, is like, is a big focal point. But it does start with suspicion from both of their ends chase because scarlet is in an alleyway with a murdered man (laughs) and scarlet because chase is a sinner with a red x 
And as she just witnessed, uh, the person that she thought was innocent uh, ended up being a serial murderer, so she has no idea what to expect from this guy. Long story yeah. short, they end up teaming up. Yeah, their relationship is, is a very uh, mutually beneficial relationship where they're both using each other. And I think it's fairly clear from the beginning. You can tell even before they actually start their formal partnership and they, hand, they shake their hands on it, the panels, the dialogue, and the art, the, that the, the expressions that the two of them have um, towards each other, they're both smirking at each other. Um, you can tell that they are both using each other uh and the reason that neither of them has killed the other or has tried to harm the other is because they're useful to them it ends up being the case that they use each other but they also feel bad about using each other after a certain point they have to go through the rough and tumble of the first part of their relationship of who knows what and who is the other person Chase immediately takes her to the police station because, as we find out, Scarlet is related to a mysterious Case X. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, she has an X marked in the corner of her mouth. The sinners are marked with Xs. It's all very symbolic. Yes. It, it turns out, though, that he says he's a cop. He's not. He was kicked out for something. We don't know what. Mm-hmm. But, but he did something... something something bad enough that his that the chief his mom had to cover up for him so it was something significant but we don't know what it was yeah and he doesn't end up telling scarlet this but they still work but they still get together on their uneasy alliance and um and scarlet ends up crashing at chase's place because she actually has nowhere else to go and that's really the start of them starting to bond. Right. And I actually have a question for you, uh, something that you mentioned earlier. I'm curious, where in the story in season one do you think that they actually start feeling bad for using the other person? I think Star Scarlet's, Scarlet probably starts feeling bad sooner than Chase. Um, but where in the story do you think it happens? Because, I mean... It's pretty clear from the beginning, and they're both fairly open about it with each other, that I need you because of this, and I need you because of this, and we're both using each other. And neither of them trust the other in the beginning. Scarlet only trusts Chase because she is literally no one else. I think it initially starts when Chase comes back uh, very angry, back to his apartment with Scarlet, and he asks Scarlet, hey, do you play video games, and would you like to learn? And they start playing. And Chase starts teaching Scarlet how to play World of Fatecraft, which we're going to call Fatecraft from now on, which in reality is just World of Warcraft, but Grave Weaver just calls it World of Fatecraft, and we're going to call it Fatecraft from here on out. So Scarlet starts to learn, and that's when they start to actually develop more of a relationship rather than just a working one, where they start to understand each other a little bit. I think that's where it starts for Scarlet. As for Chase, I think he really feels it most strongly. I think it starts a little earlier, but if he feels it most strongly when he gives Scarlet a smartphone as a gift. Mm. And he's kind of racked by guilt on whether he should on whether he should on whether he should use the tracking app or not. That's a bit of a turning point for him, for sure, for his character. 
Can I tell you my read on this? Because I think mine might differ a little bit from yours. Um, at least for Chase. I think Chase starts to feel bad not super, not a ton sooner than the point you made, but I think a little bit sooner because right before that, Chase and Scarlett, um, they refer to it as a fight. To me, it's it's more accurately def- described as a confrontation because Chase confronts um, all of the suspicions that he has had about Scarlett and Scarlett gives him some answers, not all, but she gives him some answers and some clarity into her motivations and who she is as a person. And Chase Chase takes a couple of days to process it. And that is when, you know, Scarlett is like gaming a lot and spending a lot of time at uh, home. And I think it's during those few days when he just kind of goes out before um, he actually offers to spend the day his birthday with her and gives her the phone I think it's during those days that we're not privy to it but I do think that time the way I interpreted it was him taking time to process all of this because it is a lot to mentally take on and for Scarlett I will say that her feeling bad or her I guess emotional attachment to Chase was more gradually built uh, I will say that Chase was similarly bonding with her, but I I don't think he was truly like he was he was always just suspicious and guarded in the back of his mind um, until that confrontation. Scarlet was I think more open to Chase. Uh, she wasn't harboring the same suspicions as he was, and so I think her emotional bond was built a lot more gradually during those gaming discussions um, and, you know, like you were saying, and uh, during all these, like, chats that they were having or whatnot, you know, the small bonding moments, just, you know, being in the same living space and and whatnot. Um, I think it was... I think it was built in those moments. Yeah, I agree. And this kind of leads nicely into their relationship as it develops and the, the sense of comfort they get from one another and the trust they, they build between the two of them in both of their respective quests for the truth because that's that's really what they're both after, right? Chase mm-hmm. wants to find out find out what happened on the case and Scarlet wants to know who she is and who she was. Right, and that comes to, that is the direct question that Chase asks himself when he is faced with the decision of tracking Scarlet using the phone that he gives her. When he asks uh, if his you know, if his desire for the truth is really what's motivating this or if he's just trying to prove something to himself. And he ultimately decides that he doesn't need to go to these lengths yet. So he feels like he's, you know, retained whatever humanity he has left because he has, he does mention that he is a killer. So we know he has killed someone. And it, I can only imagine that that's what he's referring to, that that has what, that is one of those things that has taken away some of his humanity. Yeah. Also, later in the webtoon, he talks with a lot of self-confidence. He says, I'm the best detective there is. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. And he means it. Yeah. And it's unclear if this confidence is like, is what's really motivating him. Mm-hmm. And in that scene, it's, it's, it's kind of nice because you see, you see, you see him trying to balance that out with all of his other emotions. And in other scenes, his confidence kind of takes over and he becomes very full of himself. 
he does exhibit a little bit of that. It's one of those weird things where I wonder, like, how much of this is confidence? How much of this is over the top? Because he, he is, like, a confident guy. This man got fired from the police department. And he walks in, I think, on episode two or three. Like, it's nobody's business. He, he with Scarlet in tow, he walks into the police station and he just you know, asks, almost demands to be let back in on the police force. And his mom is like, dude, no, you got fired. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Everyone else is like, what is he doing here? He shouldn't be here. He doesn't belong here. And he's, he doesn't care. He just straight up doesn't care. Yeah, he's like, I, I'm the best, you know, detective there is. Like, you know, I'm gonna help clean up the city. You know, he's got, he's got a lot of confidence in his own skills and abilities. For sure. It sounds like we want to get into a little bit more about Chase. Do you want to talk a little bit about how he is characterized? Yeah, as we mentioned, Chase is a very confident individual. He also has a very negative opinion of most people in general, and because of that, it's weird that he's. So it's weird that he shows so much affection to his cat, but he exhibits a certain <laughs> coldness to most other people around him. It is a little weird that I'm, I, because I was thinking about this idea too. I was wondering if he doesn't like people in general, um, or if it's just a contempt for current society, uh, because they. He has this weird mix of like wanting to help people and becoming a detective because he wants to help and better society. Um, and better people's situations, but he also, I think, looks down on most other people. Yeah, for sure. And this is a little strange considering that he he teams up with Scarlet for practical reasons, but he ends up choosing to stay in that relationship for not necessarily practical reasons, but because of an emotional bond. And that's something a little different for him, I think. And he realizes that, which is why he's he gets conflicted and guilty. And for mm -hmm. Scarlet... She doesn't really know anything. She comes back to Earth knowing actually nothing. Uh, right. And she ends up forming an attachment too to, to Chase, um, partially because he does treat her well. It's not a strictly for business, for work kind of relationship. They, they actually I'm... form some personal bonds. And like he says when he's confronting Scarlet, I thought we were friends. They were building some sort of weird, messed up friendship, but it was still a friendship for the both of them. Um, because we've mentioned this before, Scarlet trusts him because she has no one else. And that's why she bonds with him so quickly. And in a weird way, I think Chase also kind of has no one else. Uh, he has his mom, but we don't really see Chase having other meaningful relationships in his life at this point even currently into the webtoon at this point i don't think we've seen that from chase which i'm trying very hard to not spoil anything in season two here uh, or get too into it but um i'll be really excited to talk about season two because there's so much delicious scarlet chase stuff in season two we'll definitely be talking about season two at some point yeah but yeah we're, we're sticking to season one right now so um what were we talking about we were talking about um, oh yeah, so the reason why they trust each other so much. Yeah, they're both alone in a gray urban landscape. <laughs> yeah. Is it purgatory? Probably not because it's an actual purgatory, but it's that's dark. what it feels like. Yes. Yeah, that's good analogy. It it feels um actually that is a good analogy for pur purgatory because um and for even some of the levels of hell, a lot of 
aspects of the levels of hell that we're shown so far, they incorporate loneliness. Level one, the main punishment is loneliness, that you're just going to suffer eternally without people around you. And that's not unlike Scarlet's situation. There was a comment that I really liked on one of the early Webtoon episodes that stated, why do I feel that Scarlet has escaped this level of hell uh, into a worse state of hell? And one could argue that. This Webtoon does a great job of raising these kind of moral questions. What 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 is the worst fate, right? And also the, the nature of sin itself, mm-hmm. right? There, there's a sinner who gets sentenced to the, the first level of hell for stealing escargot right. from the restaurant she <laughs> works at. Right, which is a little funny, but then if you think about the monetary value of it, it ended up being in the millions. So it's just a seemingly, which could be um, you know an analogy to the nature of sin in our current life where all of these small acts that have large unintended consequences and affect a lot of people without our intention. Yeah, I agree. And let's take a second to talk about Brooke because he's another Grim Reaper, but he does not have a sinner's Mm -hmm. mark. He is Mm -hmm. free of sin. Which is fascinating uh, and something that stumped Scarlet and stumped me too. When I read this, I was like, "This this is a little weird. Because we were given rules and all of a sudden we're told, like, JK, those are not, in fact, the rules. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Brooke is um, fascinating. And I didn't realize until rereading these episodes that he shows up earlier um, when he takes a picture of Scarlet and Chase's first handshake uh, and, you know, when they seal their deal. Yeah, I had forgotten about that scene, too, actually, which kind of indicates to me that he is very aware of what's mm-hmm. going on in, in the Reaper world and in hell. I or think at the he's very been least... watching her, yeah, because she's a brand new Reaper and she's kind of a wild card, I think. Even Satan seems to see her as a little bit of a wild card. But yeah, let's let's go into her meeting with Brooke because this is the first time she meets another Reaper. Yeah, the context is really important because she ends up meeting Brooke in the Red Spades headquarters, which we know has something to do with Scarlet's past. Yeah, and who she was when she was on Earth, because that is one of the few things that she does remember, is um, vaguely going to the Red Spades headquarters. And she is told when she's there by the boss that she owes them $5 million. That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Do you want to go into some of the other details? Because they did, you know, um, because the story does give a little bit more detail into, like, her visits and her uh, past. Yeah, and, and, and it's revealed that Scarlet has a past with the Red Spades, not just because she remembers where it is and the guard recognizes her mm-hmm. and tells her that she would have frequent meetings with the boss and leave usually with like a small box right yeah and and so you know there's a lot of questions about you know what her business was with the red spades what was she doing what was in the boxes um and that is you know i don't want to jump the gun but you know that is part of what triggers chase's confrontation with her because all of his suspicions come to a head but 
regardless, you know, before before we get to Chase, Scarlet confronts the boss who has Brooke by her side. Scarlet is not yet aware of who Brooke is or what he is. He just has a bunny mask on, so we don't even actually see his face. Um, but the boss orders, you know, like basically psychs Brooke on Scarlet. Um, and Scarlet, not realizing that he's a fellow Reaper, an older Reaper, in fact, and a more experienced Reaper with his demon and in battle, um, and she initially, you know, starts trying to attack him the same way that she has raped the sinners in the past, but it doesn't work because he is obviously has, you know, he obviously has more experience in battle and can easily defeat her. Um, so she ends up surviving kind of by the skin of her teeth and she goes to hell where she confronts Satan about this because she's literally been, she's not been told any information about other reapers, anything like that. This is a completely new world. She's still learning about all of these things. So she confronts Satan. And we finally get some answers from Satan about some of the other reapers. And we learn a little bit more about the demon inside Scarlet and a bit about the lore of the world too. Yeah, Satan, this is definitely uh, an exposition episode. Satan gives her some background into the other two reapers. He talks a little bit about Brooke. Brooke does not have a sinner's mark and that's because not every Grim Reaper is necessarily required to be a sinner. Uh, Satan explains that Grim Reapers only are created by exceptional circumstances. So that can allow for really anything, uh, anything that Satan himself deems um, appropriate to become a Grim Reaper. And so Brooke is not a sinner. We don't yet know his circumstance, but the other Grim Reaper is. And I don't think we're given a name for the other Grim Reaper, but we're just told that he is the oldest one, that he is very powerful, and that it is a good thing that Scarlet came across and interacted with Brooke and not the oldest Grim Reaper, because I think the oldest Grim Reaper would have like completely destroyed her. Um, he is also said to be more predictable than Brooke, because Brooke apparently has his own rules for things. Um, he, uh, I don't think, is usually so aggressive as he was you know, shown to be um, in attacking people the way he attacked Scarlet. But, you know, we, we've just kind of, at this point in the story that Will and I are at, because we're completely caught up, we know exactly the circumstances and all of this, but um, right now in season one, we're not given info privy to that. And we're also given, as Will said, more info into the demon. So every Reaper has a demon inside them that gives them their Reaper abilities. The demon is portrayed as existing within the soul of the human scarlet that is in the body of the Grim Reaper. So they're coexisting and usually Scarlet's soul is in control, but in moments of very primal emotion like fear or rage, where the human is overwhelmed, that makes uh, Scarlet susceptible to be taken over by her demon. And when the demon takes over, that can lead to very unpredictable actions from the human body, usually very violent ones. We don't realize it at this point in the story, but earlier in season one, Scarlet becomes overwhelmed with these primal feelings of like just rage um, and she is kind of on a rampage and she wants to tear out Chase's spine from him but then when she actually sees him in his apartment 
it it serves as a grounding measure a grounding mechanism for her and she calms down from that uh demon state that she was in and so that's something that she doesn't have a lot of control over right now that brooke has ironclad control over his demon he is able to even bring it out and wield it freely because he has such good control uh and scarlet does not have that yet she's easily overcome and that's something that characterizes her as a much newer grim reaper than the other two yeah and this leads to questions about the third uh reaper uh ashenfall that's what we're calling him for now because it's suspected that he is the other character that scarlet meets in fatecraft but mm-hmm. we really don't know too much about him and this leaves a lot of a lot of questions yeah, and he he just has a really interesting conversation with Scarlet within the realm of Fatecraft. And it's clear that a lot of the things that he is talking about within the realm of the game itself, the abilities and also just the, the skills and the handling of certain skills, the analogy is made very clear between that and the real world. Scarlet asks, so are you going to kill me? Because Ash remarks that his character is currently rampaging in the city she asks so are you gonna kill me and ash says of course i kill everyone eventually which it's just very foreboding um but one thing we do learn from this conversation with regards to keeping the demon in control um versus letting the demon rampage ashenfall much prefers the second so we know that brooke is the more controlled you know, tighter one of the two. Ashenfall seems to prefer the unbridled p- kind of power that you get from just unleashing the demon. So it's very fascinating, and I think when this character does show up in the webtoon, it is going to be, it's it's going to be a a punch of a moment. It's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm I'm simultaneously curious but also terrified. Because he sounds a little bit like a loose cannon, but it's very clear from that conversation that, uh, and also from the conversation with Satan, that he has a lot of control. Both of the older Grim Reapers know how to control their demon. Yeah, but I honestly think the only person who really has the answers to any of this is Satan. He's the puppet master pulling all of the strings here. And he is a loose cannon. (laughs) He's a weird one. He, I can't really get a read on him at this point in the story. I don't really understand what his motivations are. Do you? I don't have a great idea. I suspect it's something along the lines of he likes causing chaos because for whatever reason, he's bored, he wants something fun. He mentions he wants something fun and interesting to see, and that's his like favorite pastime in a way, but we really don't know too much. Satan is also bored and lonely. <laughs> Everyone in this world is bored and lonely. I know. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I kid, but I genuinely... So I genuinely think that Satan has a little bit more of a plan. I think he, I think he's a little bit more of a puppet master than a general of chaos. But I also... I don't really know what it is because he likes to be playful, but also he's very dangerous and will not be crossed and he kind of is just a character that plays by his own rules and that's what makes him so hard to read because he doesn't play by any of the existing rules of this society i feel yep 
But anyway, that's what we've got. We've we've got Satan to work off of. So, uh, what else do you want to talk about from season one? Well, we should talk about the art. And oh my gosh, this <laughs> art! You you're a big fan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the use of color in this webtoon. It's not it's not anything crazy or inventive for characters to have a, a main color, but the way all their colors are distinct and pop out just a little bit, but not too much from the background, so it still fits. For example, Scarlet is red, Chase is blue, Satan is yellow, Brooke is pink, and all these colors are incorporated pretty well in the character design. And there's a really nice moment in Chase's character design, actually, because he only has two things that are red on his character. One, the sinner's mark, and two, his glasses, his literal lens to, to and his, his perspective to the world. Right. And the one scene where he doesn't have his glasses is the one where he's confronting Scarlet in the alley. That is fascinating. Okay, so what do you think that says? It's the first time that he is seeing the world both literally and figuratively, unobstructed by Scarlet's influence. Mm-hmm. Because he's suspicious of her. Yes. Yeah. So you think, like, in a weird way, those glasses are almost like rose-tinted glasses. Maybe Except they're red-tinted. <laughs> Scarlet-tinted glasses. He's taken them off, and then he's, quote-unquote, seen clearly for the first time. Interesting. No, that's really that's really smart. Um, That's really cool. That is a really cool Easter egg. Yeah, and, and, and the art in general is just very, very good at establishing its tone of this mm -hmm. bleak, grim, is it purgatory, is it not purgatory, urban kind of hellscape, but right. it's more gritty than anything. And It is, but I, again, I mentioned this, I think, at the top of the episode, I, despite the grittiness and despite the bleakness, it's actually a very digestible read it doesn't feel like a chore to slog through which i you know as someone who does not tend towards that kind of material i sometimes find it hard to read through that kind of art or that kind of content this one is very easy and digestible to read yeah it's very easy for webtoons or stories or tv shows of this kind of tone to f that they fall into where they make everything really gray and it becomes mm -hmm. too oppressive sometimes for the reader true uh, yeah, if anyone's if anyone here has seen Ergo Proxy, that is a great anime to showcase why you shouldn't make everything really gray. Um, this webtoon doesn't starve your eyes for color. There's enough color. There's enough going on. Uh, I do like the use of a lot of the a lot of the stock photos of cities and filtered over and grayed in a little bit, and it really really sets the mood really really well for this webtoon and still keeps it as you said digestible. <laughs> right. And you're totally right in that there is enough color in this webtoon that it doesn't feel super oppressive and gray. On the other hand, there are there are panels and there are moments, like when Scarlet's eating the cotton candy in the one episode, <laughs> where there's just so much color in the panel that I'm like, wait, is this... What webtoon am I in right now? <laughs> A nice little Easter egg, too, for that scene. Uh, Scarlet, Scarlet's red, Chase is blue, and they're eating mm -hmm. the opposite colors, cotton candy. Yeah, I, that's actually really cute. That's a really cute note. They're adorable. I like their their little Ferris wheel date. 
Yeah, because everything always happens in Ferris wheels, don't they? I know. Okay, side note. Um, Grave Weaver has got these really... I I think every artist has our little artist notes at the bottom of their webtoon, but I think Grave Weavers are some of my favorites. They're always really funny. They're really hilarious. And they're just really on point. There was this, I think, episode 13 where Chase is like shirtless as he's like trying to put on clothes because scarlet opens uh the door before he's ready and then scarlet takes a bath probably for the first time since she's become a grim reaper and we see some of her body as well and (laughs) the comment at the bottom is i guess this is the fan service episode which i was like (laughs) 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 it cracked me up yeah this webtoon remains digestible it's fun we recommend it that's really good. Um, I like romance. Romance is a genre I like to read a lot. And I am self-professed, not a super big fan, as I said, of really gritty stories. But this one is really easy to read. It's got great relationships. It delves into a lot of interesting themes. So I fully recommend it as well. If you're in the same camp as me and you've got similar preferences, I recommend checking it out. Um, you'll find... If you're really interested in learning about uh, and reading about compelling relationships, Chase and Scarlet develop a really interesting and juicy one that has just is very, it's a really fun one to read. It's got a lot of great facets to it. Totally. Yeah. So fully recommend it from that standpoint. And we're excited to get more into it. Maybe we'll do a recap episode. Maybe we'll do, we'll definitely do a talk about season two at some point. We're just still haven't decided uh in what format but we're really enjoying reading this so far support grave weaver go follow her on twitter go support her patreon um and yeah i guess that's about closing out this episode Thanks for listening to our episode of I'm the Grim Reaper. I'm Will, and joining me as always was Curdy. Thanks so much for sticking with us out to the end. We really loved talking about I'm the Grim Reaper this week. It is one of our favorites. And if you want to discuss with us as well, which we love chatting about theories and analysis with fellow fans, you can find us on Twitter at The Webtoon Room, or you can find us on email at thewebtoonroom at gmail.com. So we'll look forward to hearing from you guys. Thanks so much again, and we will see you next week for another episode. Thanks. We'll catch you next time.